For over a decade, I shopped and worked at my local comic shop. One of the best parts about hanging out there was comparing notes on what I was reading with folks who shared my passion for comics. My comic shop is gone now, but we can still hold on to the magic of that in-store discussion. This is My Comic Shop Book Club. Welcome to My Comic Shop Book Club. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss collected edition trends and collecting is one of the hosts of Omnibros Live, Gabe Bustamantes. Welcome, sir. Awesome. It's a pleasure to be here, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. This is this is kind of an outlier in terms of the episodes that I typically do on my comic shop book club. In every other instance, it's always a reading selection, either an individual issue or storyline or run uh, that we're talking about. But this is a little bit different because for this, we'll be talking about collecting uh, graphic novels and uh, sort of the publishing trends that, that you in particular have observed of late. Uh, but I thought it would be fun because it's, as I've been doing this show and my Superman podcast, you know, I've had to source a lot of stuff that I'm that I'm reading uh, for these episodes, you know, when it's something that I don't already own. So it's been interesting, I guess, to see what's out there, what's not, <laughs> what form. Uh, and I know this is something that, you know, you cover all the time. Can you can you tell listeners a bit about uh, Omnibros Live uh, for anyone who's not familiar? Yeah. So Omnibros Live, you can find this on on YouTube. Uh, Omnibros Live, part of the uh, Omnibus Collectors Network on YouTube. Uh, we are a podcast, uh, video live podcast. Every week you could interact with us as we do it on YouTube. But we are a group of collectors who specialize in the collection, the collecting of omnibuses, uh, trade paperbacks, hardcovers, that niche of the comic book uh, industry. Uh, we all had separate YouTube channels. Uh, popular YouTube channels uh, with the dedication of Omnibus Collecting. And Omnibros Live was a way of all of us kind of coming together Voltron style and then having this be a, a source topic at that point. Yeah, I, I love what I love what you guys do. Um, and, you know, for anyone who hasn't, you know, checked out the show, I hope that they will. And, you know, I'll post a link to it and everything. Uh, so I know, I mean, you guys get into the nitty gritty all the time. Uh, I know, you know, we just have one episode here. But uh, again, I, I think it'll be interesting to to talk about this aspect of reading and collecting. Uh, now, for people who are watching the video edition, they can see this. But for those who are, who are listening, they, they can't. But you have uh, a whole library of what looks like omnibus collections behind you yes that's correct yeah i got uh one two they're called kalak shelves that you could find uh a specialty at uh, at ikea that's kind of like the go-to uh model for uh, omnibus coming but one two uh i need a third one i got a ton of stuff in my other room because i just moved into this house i got about three of these five by five kalax cubes and it's full of omnibuses and you know hardcovers and absolutes and it's 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 a whole library, like you said, of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's awesome because I mean, you know, we're friends on social media, and I saw the 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 photos that you were posting. I guess uh, maybe right after you moved, as you were building out uh, the new space there, and as the shelves were filling up and everything, uh, and I you shifted over, and I got <laughs> I got a, I got to see a little bit more. That is, I mean, I, I maybe you have this quantified, maybe not, but I mean, just. Could you describe a little bit the scope of your graphic novel library? I mean, either in terms of quantity or just types of stuff. Like, what are we talking? Yeah, so it's it's a it's a, 
I'm gonna. This is kind of a, a, a humbling of me speaking about myself and my 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 taste in comics, but it is. Uh, it's it's Marvel for me. Uh, it's, it's Marvel all the way back to. I'm, I'm gonna get some hate for this, but I'm not a Silver Age Marvel fan. So it's basically my collection is Bronze Age forward, current, and absolutes. Uh, there's things out there called Epic Collections as well, which are smaller size collections. Uh, I got a, and then all the top stuff from Marvel. You know, uh, X Men, uh, the all the run of X Men, along with you know the smaller things, '90s comics uh, as well. '90s X Men, all those omnibuses. I love that stuff. That's the stuff I kind of have as well. I also have uh, the DC stuff. They have absolutes, is what they're called. They're these really, they're, they're larger. I should probably pull them down if you need me to, but uh, very tall slipcase, you know, editions, and that's like the top-notch premium storyline stuff all the way through that uh vertical stuff image uh you know small press stuff like you psyche a jimbo and they sell published things as well so uh, sullivan sluggers so it's it's a it's a it's a grip of everything yeah it's awesome i you know i love seeing the photos uh, i love seeing it now uh, on this on this video podcast, uh, you know, I'm a bit envious. I, you know, I've, I've said this on other podcasts and this is one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I, of course, always, my heart is with the comic shops, but mm -hmm. I, I have become a proponent of digital comics. And for me, they've made a lot of sense, mostly for space and storage than anything else. Right. Um, do you read anything digitally or are you full on physical? I'm still full on physical. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I just haven't quite jumped that, that 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 shark or whatever it is, and that thing where I, most if I go digital, then I have to start all over again. It kind of I ended up buying, have to buy stuff in the beginning and stuff I already own and stuff like that. But it's uh, it's inevitable. I think sooner or later, it's inevitable. Um, the only thing I really do digital though, uh, I don't buy like digital copies. But what's great also is uh, Marvel and DC both have uh like Netflix style apps where you could read whatever you want for a, a anonymous price every month. So I do that for, you know, issues that might be missing in the omnibuses or something that just hasn't been collected yet as well. So, you know, I'll read through it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, uh, again, we had not spoken about this and I just, I know, you know, how, how into the, the collecting you are. And I didn't know if you had like a, like a philosophical objection to, to reading digitally or no. anything like that. No. No, no, not, nothing like that. You know, um, I mean, we're all living in the matrix anyways, but I mean, it's, I don't have anything where it's like, well, you know, you know, uh, digital is putting people out of work or, you know, I don't have any kind of, any kind of leaning towards it like that. I think it's just, a, I like having the physical object yeah. as much as possible. I, I totally get that. I was, I definitely held out for a long time mm -hmm. and I finally took the plunge I want to say maybe a little over a year ago or so, and I got the biggest iPad that I could get. And that was what made the difference for me because I had tried reading digitally on an iPad mini years earlier. No good. Um, but now I have uh, an iPad. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But now I have an iPad Pro and it, it that really changed things in a big way. And then to your point, uh, I do subscribe to Marvel Unlimited and, and DC Infinite and they're not perfect. And DC in particular frustrates me with some of their gaps that I yeah. hope are in the process of being closed. Although I, I don't know, I don't necessarily have, have uh, too much hope necessarily, but, but overall I, I found them to be convenient. I, and I do, I do like both of them overall. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean that's great. I mean, if you don't have the space, or you know, you you don't you don't you don't you don't want to worry, or you're very particular about condition. You don't have to worry, you don't want to worry about crinkling pages or or whatever kind of uh, condition uh, full pole you might have or full pole you might have. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's great for vacations. So you don't have to like bundle up your books and take a big old duffel bag full of omnibuses or or, or anything like that too. So yeah. Uh, you know, I'm but not, I agree. It, it, these rollouts, these rollouts they do on these gaps, it takes a while, and you just say, "Oh, come on!" You usually don't have like the evergreen kind of stuff, and then you got to wait for. You're like, "Yeah, but I really want to read that that one annual that was in the middle of Death of Superman storyline, and you don't have that there yet." Yeah, that's it. I mean, you mentioned Superman, so you know, I do digging for Kryptonite, my Superman show, and over the summer, I'm going to be covering the. Uh, the few years in between crisis on infinite earths and the death of Superman. So the, the burn stuff and then uh, the dawn of the triangle era, all, all that. And I'm so yeah. excited and the vast, vast majority is on the DC app. Great. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I mean, we're talking five or six years worth of books. So maybe this won't seem like much, but there were 20 random issues across the various titles and i'm like god damn. you know and i kept hope yeah. and i've been you know the episodes have been in, on my mind for a while so like i've been checking hoping that they'll get filled in and as of yet they haven't so i i broke down and i ordered the issues that i needed on ebay and they came and now i have so between the app and the single issues i have everything <laughs> but it kind of drives me nuts but i'll be honest you know the space is one thing for sure but the other thing, and I'll say this to you because I, I, I maybe will identify with it, um, but if not, I think you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think one of the reasons why I've moved away from the, the physical trades and, and single issues is is my OCD as a collector. Like for so many, there were so many times over the years where um, I... I don't know. I think I would get like too worked up about what I was going to keep in my collection, what I was going to sell. And like, I like not having to worry about what has a permanent spot on my shelf or not. Right. No, I, there, there's that too. Uh, of course, like, you know, do I want, do I really want to get rid of this or is this really good enough to keep, or am I ever really going to read it again? Um, and you, I, 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 I've done that myself. Even if I'm going through that now, a lot of times where I'm, purging some of these like omnibuses because I, I would like to have that dream fantasy of just owning you know what i would consider the the top notch stuff and, not, and just have that archive that way but i know myself better and we all know ourselves better that, that that's almost impossible to make those kinds of cuts yeah yeah that's true but it's, it's definitely something that i've struggled with like driving myself nuts with do i keep this do i not get this i mean i've gotten rid of stuff and then rebought it i mean i've you know i've gone down that road too so <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's why I think just for my own peace of mind, there's something about the digital and especially with these Netflix style apps where you're not even buying digital issues or collections. Like it's just, you know, there to read. Of course, you do run into the other issue where if those publishers ever decide to take something down, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're yeah. out of luck, just like with any of these, you know, shows on streaming platforms. Right. Exactly. So it's, that's where I come into play with a lot of stuff or, um, I, I want to have it so that it can't be taken away. Like even kind of a little bit off topic, but like even recently SpongeBob SquarePants has had episodes taken down from, from apps because of, you know, what they now feel is, you know, inappropriate behavior or whatever. And they took them down. It's the same way. It was like, well, I, now they just go get the DVDs or something now so that I can still have those, those episodes alive. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned, you know, that aspect of it because, you know, within the past year, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Scrubs, 30 Rock mm -hmm. and Always Sunny. 
And all three shows had episodes removed from streaming platforms because of depictions of blackface. And oh, that's right. You know, and I'm not, this is not a political statement, but it's like as a as a fan of the shows and as a completist, it's like whenever I, and again, this is like when when am I ever going to sit down and rewatch those entire shows? But like when I do, I know it's going to drive me nuts to to know that there's an episode missing. And I've I've owned all of those on DVD and yeah. sold them, figuring well they're on the streaming platforms. So. Uh, you know, uh, I know there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, that, that aspect of it. Um, but so, yeah. So digital's going well for you. You're, you're, you're enjoying it. Yeah. Overall, overall. Yeah. Um, for, you know, for all the reasons we talked about, again, some of those gaps are frustrating. Um, yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. the DC app, they, you know, they added a, a ton following their initial launch, you know, way back in the beginning of their app, you know? Um, so they've come a long way. Uh, I guess the thing that, I would feel I would feel better if I could just kind of figure out some rhyme or reason as to why certain gaps exist. I think that's the thing that kind of annoys me where, you know, if I could pinpoint like, okay, like clearly they haven't gotten to this this period of time yet or whatever the case may be. But it's like it just some of it just feels so random. But yeah, overall, uh, you know, I've, I've been happy with the digital reading experience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you never know what those reasons could be. It could be contract disputes with one of the creators on it, or or, or, or anything, or they just—it just feels random. But I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but all right. So with yeah. with your graphic novel buying, reading, collecting, so safe to say, is the omnibus the ideal preferred format for you? Uh, it, it's it's changed over time as as I've collected and amassed uh, all these things. Uh, Currently, it is like uh, the the larger, the larger kind of thicker trade paperback collections. These are called epic collections. There's epic collections, and then there's also other ones called complete collections. But it's the same idea. Where omnibus is, is like the like the upper echelon, like top level uh, collections, and those are like when it comes down to this kind of collecting market, that is the preferred one for sure. And for myself for the longest time until just recently, when I had to move all of these things, that was my preferred method, my, my preferred format uh, of, of reading these stories. Yeah. What, what was the experience like? Because I also went through a move recently and I don't have, I actually don't own any omnibus collections, but I definitely have plenty of trades and hardcovers. And, uh, you know, I've moved a few times over the past few years and it's like every time it's like, Oh God, I got to schlep these again. What, what, what was it like for you? Is it okay? Oh, it, it was a nightmare. Yeah. It was a night. It's a nightmare, man. It, I mean, cause it's one of those things where you can only, they, these things only finding a box, finding boxes for these is probably the, the hardest thing to do because they have a certain size and a certain width and, and a, and a heft. They're, they're incredibly heavy. So you got to find really good sturdy boxes of that size. Uh, so certain shipping boxes don't work, but fortunately comic book diamond, diamond comic book boxes, the ones that uh, comic book stores get every week when they get their shipments, those diamond boxes are perfect. So I, I know what kind of boxes to get, but I had to go to three different comic book stores in town, you know, like torpedo. I was going back to torpedo like every week for like a month getting all of their boxes. Cause all comic book stores, you've been there. All you guys do is, you know, you, you, you break it down you throw it away and, and, and you wish they would just burn like this. They're the worst things ever when you're working in the store, but if you're moving, those are the best boxes. So I went to torpedo uh, and you know, um, oh, here you go. You know, uh, I, I went to Ralph's store, uh, Alternate Realities here, who, who was also on uh, my comic shop country. 
So I went to his store and I took all of his boxes for like a month. And I went to another store and I, I just had this rotation. Good thing everybody knows me and they were, and I know they just throw away their boxes. So I had three different comic book stores just supplying me with moving boxes for like a month to, to get enough to pack these things off. Nice. And then moving it was a nightmare. That took like a whole trip itself. Uh, I went from a one-story house to a two-story house. So having to, you know, I got an amazing workout for like a week bringing these things up and downstairs. But uh, yeah, so it, it's 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 it was a nightmare. And then again, that's where I was like, man, it's time to start selling these things off. Like, what if I have to move again, and you know, have to move these boxes again, and move these shelves again? So yeah, no, I went through I went through the same thing because I've moved now three times over the past I don't know eight years, which is nothing too mm-hmm. crazy. But it's like, and that was after two decades of not moving at all. So it was all of a sudden it was like, oh man, it's like right. all these moves. And it's like every time with the statue, that was the other thing that drove me nuts, statues, boxing oh them, unboxing them. So that's why I've ended up getting rid of a and lot you're, of and you're never And you're never, and you never feel like you packed them the right way. You're like, nope. one of these things are going to be broken. I know one of these is going to be broken. I, I packed it the wrong way or, uh, I mean, working at Torpedo, we, we, we had tons of statues. So I've seen all those. I, I see some of your, your statues back there. I've seen them on your videos before. Uh, but even like if you had like the massive like sideshow XM ones that have like 50, 60 pieces and two different heads and they come in like they come basically like a smoker box. So, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, you're going to break it. You're like, oh, one of these is going to be broken. It didn't. Same when I moved all my stuff. I was like, oh, one of these is going to come out damaged. Like I know one of these is going to get crunched or something, but luckily not. So hopefully Good. the same thing happened when you moved all those, all those massive statues, man. Yeah. Th- I have to say, thankfully, uh, like I don't have any of those huge, I mean, I have a, f- a few full-size statues, but still nothing, you know, nothing in the scale of some of those, these new sideshow pieces that have come out. Like you mentioned the documentary, My Comic Shop Country, which you're in, you, and, and I'm so glad that you were able to be part of that, uh, talking about your experience, your role at Torpedo. Um, one of the other guys in the movie, Justin DeVoe, uh, I filmed his collection and he's got a ton of those sideshow pieces and he's continued oh. getting stuff in the couple of years since I filmed and I see him post posting it all the time. And I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. It's like, it's one thing boxing up like these Bowen mini busts, but it's like mm-hmm. those huge sideshow pieces. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I collect my Bowen mini buses too. I have a Jack Kirby one back here behind me. Uh, yeah. Those are just, you just, it's one piece. It's, it's, it's a solid piece. Yeah. And, but then when you get into like those sideshow ones, it's just like the arms come off, the head comes off, the feet come off. It's a base. The base has a wall. That wall has a gun. And it just, it's just the elaborate diorama sometimes with those things. Yeah. Yeah. But it, to your point, it's so, I identified a hundred percent with what you were saying when you're like, I had to, when you work at a comic shop, right? Those boxes are, just, you know, they're just in the way. Right. And then when you yeah. need them, it's like, you can't get enough. And like, you had to go to multiple stores it was same thing for me, like all those years working at alternate realities, all the boxes, you know, just toss, happy to get rid of them. And then yeah. by the time I started making all of these moves, alternate realities was gone pretty much. And so like I had to go to, I mean, thankfully there are other local stores, but like one of the ones that was great in, in saving boxes for me, but like they don't order the quantities like that my store used to. So like it took a while to get, <laughs> to get enough boxes. Oh. But yeah, I know it's like, getting like two boxes at a time or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so now for the omnibus, so it's the, um, you use the inner yeah. box, the inner, the inner diamond box for the, the inner um, diamond boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. They're perfect. You can fit like, like two or three of them in there. Uh, they're great boxes. They're, they're double walled. So they're nice and thick and they're, they're sturdy. And that's how those things are shipped across the country anyways. And they come out fine most of the time. 
So those are perfect boxes for uh, for moving or when I sell one, I keep, I got a ton of those things in my garage now. So if I, when I start selling them, those are the perfect shipping boxes as well. Now, and I don't know if the, I know you said you, you were, you were, you yourself were moving those boxes. Did you have movers generally, or did you guys do it all yourself with your move? No, we did it all. We did it all ourselves because it's, this is just a couple of months ago. So it was like smack dab in the middle yeah. of COVID. Gotcha. So there was, you know, you can't really find movers and do we really want strangers around? You know, it's one of those things. So, but yeah, it was, it was just me and a couple buddies. If, if you had had movers generally, mm-hmm. would you have let them touch the, the books or would you have done that yourself? Oh no, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. Even like, like when I moved, I said, it was my buddies that moved. They moved the big stuff. They moved the house stuff. Uh, and I had a lot of stuff. So I was being, I was trying to be like respectful and be like, you know, I'm going to take all of my stuff. Cause this is like, you know, 200 boxes worth of omnibuses and comic books and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So I, I rented a smaller, uh, not a, U, a U-Haul van, like I rented a van and packed that full of all my stuff. And I did that move by myself. A, I didn't think it was because I was being courteous and going, you guys don't want to lift all these heavy boxes because you're going to be in charge of lifting, you know, fat couches and refrigerators. But really it's because nobody touches my books but me. I get it. Just because I don't want, I don't want anybody to feel bad. Like if you, if somebody drops it, I don't want them to feel bad because they, they, they broke a statue or they, they dropped you know, and damage one of my omnibuses or something like that. You drop my couch. I don't care. That's a couch, <laughs> but you, you drop a book and people are going to feel bad about it. But it's a personal, there's more personal collection involved with it and everything. So, I, man, I, I get it a hundred percent. Cause when we did our move over the summer, um, we did hire movers. That was a, you know, we had that debate. It's like, do we do this? Do we not? But we, we did hire movers mm-hmm. and, you know, they were masked and everything and it worked out fine. But, um, we did get a storage unit, uh, nearby our, our old place. And shortly before the move, like I filled it with, uh, or actually, no, I, I take that back. It was actually a few months earlier. Cause we cleared as much out of our old place to show it as possible. That was what, that was part of what motivated it. The other was, I wanted to get my stuff out of the way and kind of secure it. So it's like all the graphic yeah. novels, all the statues and all the filmmaking mm-hmm. and podcasting equipment went into that storage space. I brought it there and then i brought it to the new place like no one else touched it and yeah. that was the way it was going to be <laughs> i i think we're living a mirrored life anthony because it was the exact same thing when i was selling my house my my agent was like you should pack that stuff up first before we put the stuff on the market and before we start taking pictures of the house you know yeah. she's like, she was like nothing against the collection it's just that it's just so much that when you when you take down all these shelves and stuff it, it makes the because it was in my master bedroom if she was it would make the bedroom look look bigger and you want you want them to see your house with their stuff in it kind of thing and i was like that's fine that's you know and i had to start packing that stuff a month ahead of time right right yeah no i'm i'm with you uh yeah so funny so with with the omnibuses like i i hate to be this guy because you've probably heard this so many times and you're probably uh, sick of it i've i've owned I've owned some omnibus collections over the years, not a ton. Um, and I've just always found them to be a bit unwieldy. It's like, how do you mm-hmm. read them? Do you sit at a desk and read them? I mean, how are you, are you, you have them on a couch? Like, what do you, because that was always my dilemma with them. It's like, they don't, they're not really conducive to like sitting in a recliner and, and I don't necessarily yeah. want to read at a table, but what do you do? You, you can't cuddle. You can't cuddle with an omnibus. Like, no. That's not going to get in the bed with you or, or on the couch with you the right way at all. Uh, no, I always read them. Kind of like I did just regular comics. I always read them at my desk or at the dinner table, you know. Okay. Uh, and it's it's that's a common uh, kind of setback with omnibus. Like we all realize that that these things are a beast to read. 
And that was one of the reasons when I said earlier, I kind of stepped away from buying just omnibuses because it was that it's just being able to kind of travel with it or being able to like loan it out or even to just be able to sit in bed with it on the couch. But yeah, with the Omnis, yeah, it's, you got to sit at a desk. Some people have those recipe books, like stands that people have in their kitchens where mm -hmm. they have the recipe books. They use those. Some people use a like Bible. There's like these Bible holders, I guess. Huh. And so there's, there's people have come up with like some, you know, nice creative ways to do, to be able to read comfortably with these things in a couch or on in the bed. Yeah. I mean, and I will say it is definitely appealing to have so many issues collected in one volume, mm -hmm. you know, great paper quality, you know, all, all that stuff. As far as the gutter loss, right? That's another potential issue depending on how the books are bound. Is that something that you run into? Right. It, it happens sometimes. It, and for those of you who, who are listening, don't know gutter loss is when the, when you, the, the book doesn't lay quite flat and they're kind of curved and the pages are, are deeper into the book as you get into like the, the middle of the book because of the spine and the binding that sometimes you lose the edge of the panels and some of that artwork on the edges, but it, it happens. And it's, it's, it's just one of those setbacks that come with having so much in, 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 in such a, a big hefty package, you're going to have that gutter loss. And some of the ways that these books are constructed, sometimes the, the binding of them is sewn, which helps it a little easier to lay flat and you get like a nice little eye hole and, you know, a little bit a little more easier to read and store. But then sometimes for whatever reason, they, 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 these publishers will turn around and go, Oh, we'll just, we'll just use glue on these ones and then that's when it's just it's so tight and it's so dense that there's no stretching it out and and you end up getting more of a gutter loss with that as well are there any trends you've noticed with that like does marvel consistently do it one way and dc does it another way or is it just kind of like random what do you typically find? it's random yeah it's random it's so random where they say there's like a three uh i think it was in dc i think it's when jeff johns is uh Green Lantern omnibuses were, were, were coming out. I think it was one of those things where it was a three-volume set. Uh, volume one, volume volume two were like sewn, and then volume three, for whatever reason, was glue binding. Like it's, it's just random, and it'll do it in the middle of a run. And I don't know. I just you know maybe they just switched contracts or publish or at the printers, and they just wanted to shave off some extra you know ten cents a copy or something like that. All right. I was actually going to ask this later, but it, it popped into my head and I don't want to forget because um, I've seen, you know, some some really impressive stuff online with people having their single issues bound. Um, have you ever done that or thought about doing that? I have thought about doing that a lot, the custom binding. It's it's such a cool idea and it's such a cool process where you just, you know, you you, you, you get to tear your comic books up and send them in and get custom bound in a hardcover. I thought of doing it for a lot of the, like, universes that just ex don't exist anymore and they probably never will exist again like i've i've considered doing it for a lot of the malibu ultraverse stuff like prime and ultra force and and rune and and things like that because that universe is gone it's it's probably never coming back and they're never going to do a collected edition of that so i thought about doing it for that the uh pat lee Dreamwave. uh Transformers, same thing where that contract was just gone and, and you know, nobody has the rights for it and no one's going to make a, a book of it. Um, you know, Godzilla when Godzilla was with Marvel, that stuff is fantastic. That'll never get a uh, collected edition because of rights. Same with like Ron Space Knight, uh, a lot of things like that. So I, it's, I've really considered it for 
these long, famous, amazing runs that just due to, you know, money rights issues and, you know, copyright, we can't ever get. So there's the option of going out and buying all the single issues in really poor quality and then getting them custom buy into like a nice hardcover where the people I know, my friends have done it. You get to design the hardcover yourself. You get to design the dust jacket yourself. You get to, you know, do any kind of elaborate thing. You could put a bookmark in it if you want, or like a ribbon. And so it's it's a it's a project, and it's a nice artsy project, and it's a nice way of, you know, having all your issues in one collected volume. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know that I I don't know that I personally have ever been that tempted. I'm trying to think. Oh man. But I mean, I love the like I love the idea of it. It's more just like I like admiring what other people have done. It's, it's not just it's mm-hmm. just not something that I've been so moved to really do myself. But I remember I think the first time that I guess I really thought about it or I saw it was uh, Brandon Montclair, uh, my old boss at Alternate Realities and now a comic book writer. Like he and I forget it, I forget which comics they were. But I remember going to his place and he had this like beautiful library of all these custom bound books. And I was like, whoa, like it is, I mean, it is really impressive. Like the library you have is is magnificent as well. But like seeing that and it was like, oh, like you can't you can't go out and buy that. Like you had that made. Like right. it, is, it is pretty cool. Yeah, and a lot of people take those two, like the the creators, and the creators really go, Wow, this is really neat. Like I didn't know they made this. And he's like, they didn't make it. This is mine. Like I, I, I did this myself. So, and the, the creators really trip out because they say, Oh, this is really cool. And you did it yourself. And you know, this is like a project. And obviously if you love it enough to kind of quote unquote, ruin your comic books to create this and to keep it, then it, it holds a special place to you. And the creators really get excited about that too. Yeah, that's a, that is a great point. And, but I know it's funny, like you're saying about, you know, basically destroying something that you're, that you're typically collecting and trying to keep in mm-hmm. as pristine condition as possible. Cause I, I read, I thought about this too. Um, again, going back to the documentary, I have a toy customizer in there and he mm-hmm. basically has to destroy these figures to get the parts he needs to create the custom figures. And you know, the end results are gorgeous. And like, he makes figures of things that you, you know, you know, different costumes or battle damage versions, like all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, like this is so cool that you do this. But in order to get there, and he's such a collector, so it's like that must that <laughs> that uh, dichotomy it, is like really interesting to me. Yeah, it, it goes. It totally goes against your programming. You know, I mean, you worked at a comic book store. I worked at a comic book store for a long time. So I don't know. I don't know if you ever were in charge of returns where yes. you had to yeah. Strip oh the, god, strip the covers off. Yeah, yeah, dude. That is uh, at first it's the weird because again it's it's counter programming where you know you're you're you're, you're I'm here to sell comic books and then. The better condition comic books are, the more that they cost and the more they're worth. And I could jack the prices up on them. And, and then at the same time, it's like, oh, well, uh, I need to return these to get my 75 cents back. So let me just completely strip the cover off. And then after a while, you do it for so long. Like, I, I, there's times where I've been there, I'm just tearing covers, tearing covers, tearing covers for like, it felt like a half an hour. But after a while, you're like, yeah, this is kind of cathartic just to destroy these things. It's, it really had like a, like a, a different therapeutic uh, effect to it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you do it and people are in the store, they lose their mind. That's my favorite part. I wait till the store is crowded and I would bring out all the returns and just start, just start stripping them. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got to return these to get our money back because they're not selling. So, you know, or whatever the case is, or, you know, they were like, you know, uh, recalled or whatever the case might be. But yeah, or they were damaged in the first place. And I got to send them back. Yeah. 
I, you know, I haven't thought about that in so many years, but yeah, that's true. I do remember that. And I, I do have a memory of like the first time and it was like, I know you're right. It does completely go against like everything you're, you're taught, everything <laughs> you feel about these books. I know it is, it is a really weird experience, but yeah, I guess you do then kind of, kind of come around on it a little bit. There, there is a therapeutic side to it uh, as, as well, for sure. Or maybe it's good to just, yeah, just get out uh, some aggression on these books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm so mad today. I'm going to just destroy all these books. This is going to be great. Uh, let's take I'm a, in front of everybody and wreck them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take a 30-second commercial break, and then uh, we'll, we'll keep going here. All right. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, the Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. And we're back. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Ralph at Alternate Reality Comics, also in Vegas. And I, I just want to, because, you know, we haven't, I know we've exchanged messages on social media, but we haven't spoken. And uh, I, I got to thank you because you and comic book creator James Robinson uh, had such hilarious commentary about Ralph, the owner of Alternate Reality Comics. And it was all with love, but it was hilarious. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to see my comic shop country play at a, at a few screenings pre-pandemic and consistently... Like that section got the biggest laughs. Uh, so, so, so thank you for that. Cause it was really a lot of fun and it, 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 it added a very fun component to the film. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, cause with Ralph, what I said was, uh, I forgot what I said about him. I said for, he's, he's pretty quick and, and limber for, for a vegan or, or, or has a lot of energy for a vegan or something like that. But it, it, like you said, it was said with love, but it just added just that extra element where you're like, now you know, know a little bit more about who he is, like outside the store, or a little bit more of like you know, kind of his his jitteriness and his and his kind of like mannerisms. It kind of adds to his his appeal and his character. Yeah, it was great. And you know, I said this in, in other podcasts talking about the movie, but you know, I had all this footage of Ralph zipping around the store and yeah. me struggling to keep up with the camera. And I'll be honest, like in the moment of filming, like it was a little frustrating because it's like, oh man, he's like he's so fast. And you know, we didn't plan it out ahead of time. It was just sort of like, okay, like go stock the shelves and I'll follow you around. I didn't think it would be that challenging. <laughs> and I'm like, what am yeah. I going to do with this footage? And then you and James Robinson, like, you gave me this awesome commentary. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, like now I can do something with this. And this gives it like the the proper context. And it's hilarious. And uh, yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was a lot of, I can't tell you how much fun I had putting that together. That was, that was really a blast. Oh, that's, 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 that's great, man. It's great to hear. How, how's that, how that turn out everything like streaming wise? Cause it's great. It's so impressive. You got that on Amazon. Thanks. The um, oh, I dropped my water there. Um, don't give me too much credit. It's uh that the Amazon thing wasn't wasn't a huge hurdle. I mean, I think the getting a distributor that was that was definitely a hurdle, and I was happy okay. to clear that. Um, and then yeah, they were able to get it onto Amazon and iTunes, which was great, and that obviously opens it up to so many people. Um, and then most recently. Uh, they sold it to Curiosity Stream, which is a streaming platform specifically for documentaries. And that's been great. And I really, cause then, and I started hearing from even more people on social media after that. So I think that really got it in front of a, a lot of new eyes as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, overall. Was that, was that change of distribution like recently or when they sold it? Was that like, like pre-pandemic or right during the pandemic? 
that was well the curiosity stream was just a few months ago okay so yeah so that was i've been getting list. a lot of people hitting me up like oh like talking about it. I, I kind of forgot about it. i didn't forget about it. but when it first went out i got a lot of like comments on it like great you know like everybody really enjoyed my parts everybody enjoyed the documentary in general and and which they should because it was a really uh documentary about you know such a important pillar of, of our society but then it kind of went quiet and then it started happening again like not too long ago and i was like what what's happening here so i guess i guess it's true then yeah i think it was the curiosity street yeah for sure well, i'm glad that's great to hear um yeah i think that did give it like a second wind so uh so that was yeah. cool um, well, actually, kind of on the note of comic shops, right? You worked at Torpedo Comics for for a long time, and and I was just curious, and as far as the customer buying trends with these collected editions, I mean, I don't know anything that you observed uh, over the years there that that really stood out to you in terms of what yeah, people uh, are getting. Yeah, a lot. Really, when it comes down to it, a lot of times, uh, from what I've been seeing. The people who are reading collected editions or people who are reading singles after a while they end up going towards collected editions. i think once they probably run out of room or they or you sell your collection you know a lot of people sold their collection and then they kind of rebuy it and instead of rebuying it in singles or buy it in the, the the trades but even like the newer folks who are coming in like the younger generation uh it's collected editions collected editions collected editions like they don't go for the singles like they don't want i don't know if it's i, I would have to assume that it's from kind of this binge mentality that's that's around because of streaming services and you can get everything at once you read it all at once that they don't want to wait month for month for these issues so they get the collected editions or another thing that i saw a lot of actually too which is interesting is college courses there's all, all the colleges seem to be putting collected editions on if, if you're taking an English course, they're, they're putting collected editions on there as part of the literature uh, uh, syllabus or whatever. So we got a lot of that coming in as well. So it's the newer generations coming in. Uh, they're more convenient. Uh, they're a little bit more price uh, oriented. So there's a lot of extra factors involved to it. But yeah, it's the trend is definitely going to collected editions. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes that makes a ton of sense for all the reasons you said. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that binge mentality probably does account for a lot of it. Because, yeah, especially if, you, if you're used to consuming content like that generally, the idea of, you know, waiting month to month is probably, there's probably such a disconnect there. So if you can say like, hey, here's six issues or 12 issues or an omnibus yeah. with, well, how much does a, like an average omnibus collect? Like how many issues? Uh, about 30 and pushing it, they'll, they'll get to like, like 50 sometimes. But it, 30 is a is about the set kind of length of an omnibus for the most part, 30 issues. Gotcha. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you, cause I know, um, I know one thing that comes up a lot with, uh, collected editions generally, and especially Marvel and DC is that something will get advanced solicited and then canceled by the publisher <sighs> before it comes out because there aren't enough pre-orders. Um, I, I guess I'm just curious to get your thoughts on that generally. I, I guess that kind of points to larger questions and, you know, there's something that we explored in the, in the movie too, but like how much responsibility, how much burden should be on the customers to pre-order this stuff? Uh, I mean, I guess like what, what are your thoughts and, and what did you typically see at the, at the shop, especially in terms of like pre-ordering trades and hardcovers? Yeah, that, that's even as a collector, that's, that's a pain in the butt. It's the worst. There's nothing worse than having like, a collected edition that you've always wanted or that you you just didn't expect was going to come out and you have your high hopes for it and you're ready for it and you pre-order it and you're doing everything you're supposed to do and 
it just gets pulled out from underneath you and, and it, they cancel it. Uh, DC went through that really, really hard about a year ago, um, a year and a half ago probably, where they basically fired their entire collected edition staff or laid them all off. And just it was just collateral damage. It was just one great book after another just falling to the wayside. There was a uh, this Batgirl on the bus I really wanted, which was the Burnside Batgirl. That got canceled. Um, but then now a year and a half later, it got resolicited. So hopefully it comes out again. But it was to the point where it was happening so much that it was almost like uh, the snaking into on tail kind of thing where it was canceling it so much that uh, us collectors started losing faith in DC. So it was like, well, you announced this book I really want. Do I really want to pre-order it? Because you're just going to cancel it. So I'll wait till it actually comes out. And because now I decide not to pre-order it, it's it's less of a uh, of an incentive for anybody for DC to publish it because it's you know it's uh, hundreds and hundreds of people who decide not to pre-order it or who do. And so the numbers don't look that good. So we kind of cause it to ourselves and you cause it to happen yourself. So that was the thing as well. And it's just, it's the worst, man. It's, it's such a harsh, harsh thing to have happen to you. And, it's, and the worst part is they've done it where it would be like Kyle Rayner, for example, Kyle Rayner had this great, fantastic run of comics. He's, he's my Green Lantern because he was Green Lantern when, when I was reading comic books. And I, I know you're probably got to be about the same way because you started reading comics around uh, Death of Superman, I know, and that's mm -hmm. when he became Kyle Rayner, became Green Lantern. But they, he so he had these. It was two trade paperbacks, like the big thick ones, came out. It was the Ron Mars stuff. So volume one came out, volume two came out, volume three got solicited, and then they canceled it, and it just orphaned the rest of the series. So now we don't have a complete run of that series because they canceled it at volume two. So it happens a lot, and it's 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 the worst, man. It's the worst. Yeah, I know, I know exactly that line of trades you're talking about, and okay. and I remember when they when they when they canceled. And I know it's it's exceedingly frustrating. I remember I'm trying to think. I know there was a collection of Mark Wade's Impulse Run that was solicited and then canceled. I think mm -hmm. now there's another version that's out or coming out, but I, but I know that there had been at least one version that had gotten canceled. And uh, yeah, and but I mean a ton of instances of things like that. And and yeah, it's it's tough. And then I think. I mean, like you said, it, it just, it undermines you, as a collector, as a fan, as a reader, like it undermines yep. your confidence in the publisher and in what they announce. And I just, I mean, obviously it's a business and I get that if they are not getting the pre-order numbers that they feel they need to for their bottom line, like it doesn't make sense to publish it. But, but then I don't know, I feel like, well, I mean, I don't know, I guess they're basing it right on what stores have ordered and stores are basing it on what customers have told, you know, pre-ordered right. and so I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, that, that that's tough. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely frustrating. And it's, I feel like it's especially maddening. You know, it's one thing if it's like volume one that doesn't come out. And it's like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. But like when you get one or two volumes yep. in what looks like it will be a multi-volume series that's finally going to collect this character or this run that you love. And then it stops like halfway through. I feel like that's the worst. That is the worst. It, it's... Like, like, like with the Kyle Rayner stuff, it's the It's just stopped right in the middle of it. And they've even done it before where there's been instances where Superman, for instance, you were talking about the John Byrne Superman. They recently just came out in a, uh, they're coming out in uh, standard size hardcovers. Well, originally that was supposed to come out as an omnibus. And they canceled it and then re-solicited it as a 
lesser format or you know the the not preferred format that we all wanted we all wanted omnibuses and they canceled that and then they turned it to standard size hardcovers so it's like you know it's just the worst too you know it happens all the time well it's tough too right because now it's like if they had at least put out the omnibus of the burn run it's like okay if it comes out you get it you have you have what you need but it's like now they're doing it in these smaller hardcovers and it's like you hope that they'll do all of them and i mean as of this recording i think they've solicited through I want to say volume three, um, maybe four. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, it's like, you, you don't know. I mean, hopefully something like that is high profile and popular enough that, that they'll come out, but you never know. And um, I'm definitely with you as far as, uh, you know, being a nineties guy. Right. So like, yes, I definitely grew up with Kyle Rayner and Wally West and Connor Hawk. And it's like, we're finally that, you know, DC finally put out a proper run of trades collecting Mark Wade's flash run. It, it, I, yeah. I could not believe the years that went by that that was collected only piecemeal and stuff was out of print. Like it was crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And Connor Hawk, it's like, I, <laughs> you know, that arc where they introduce him and then where Oliver Queen dies and, and Connor takes over, um, you know, not, not available. And also not on the app. If you want to talk about another gap <laughs> that's missing too. So it's like, you can't read that anywhere unless you have the back yeah. issues. They've done that with omnibuses too, where the the this is probably another series that you grew up with, uh, Grant Morrison's Justice League. So they, they they sent out an omnibus of that, and it just and it, they called it Grant Morrison's Justice League. So they only printed the Justice League issues that he wrote. So it was a like missing you know a gap here and an issue there, and then it, it's a and then they they skip like a whole they skip like all of Mark Wade stuff, and then they start back up when he returned. So like that Mark Wade is now getting its own book, and it's not going to fit. It's still orphaning a couple of issues. Like it's yeah, it's so weird and random and and, and odd how they do that. So, yeah. but at least they got the Mark Wade Flash, the Wally West stuff is all collected, and it's nice. It's it's. Here, it's a, it's a, here's, here's a, here's how you know you're uh, an omnibus collector is that all the spines match up and the spines look great. Like it's the, we, we have this tendency to hate the spines if things don't match up correctly. That was one of the things but, I was, I was going to ask you. Cause yeah, no, I, I mean, I mentioned my OCD earlier. There mm-hmm. have definitely been instances where, uh, where stuff doesn't line up and, and it does, it does drive you nuts. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's like the, you know, the DC logo changes. And so, but other times it's like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't know what happens. I, I know that yeah. is, that is especially frustrating because they know too, like what the, like, I, I guess that's the other thing. Right. And I, I mean, I don't know, are, are you on any of the uh, message? Cause I know there are various forums out there for people talking about collected editions. Do you participate in any of that stuff? Yeah. Uh, I'm part of the, uh, I'm the best collector on the Facebook group. There's a Facebook group called okay. Omnibus collectors. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I participate in that, and you know, I'm a, I, I'm a big component of of that board, and I'm a big contributor, and it's one of those things where it's you get that community outreach of everything that's going on with it as well. But uh, let me ask you, uh, yeah. when you were, since you've been doing all these book clubs, and you said that you know you had to go out and get some of the collected editions and the trades or whatever, um, h- how many times did you run into an out of print book? Yeah, a lot. Like that was just wasn't available. And then what about the prices on it? Thankfully, I I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. Like there, I think if there was anything that was really cost prohibitive, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do the, I would do a different episode. So I, like right. I haven't, thankfully, and, but honestly, I don't know that I've really run into that where I've had to make that call, thankfully. I mean, I, I would say for the stuff I've done so far, most of it's, well, it's, it's funny too. Most of what I've been reading, I've been picking stuff that is, 
available for myself, but also mm-hmm. for my potential audience. So, so I have actually like I for the most part like if there's something that like you can only get if you track down an uh, an overpriced out of print trade, it's like I probably wouldn't pick that because then I feel like that's going to really limit the amount of people who would be able to potentially get it to listen to the episode. You know, right. I don't know if, if that may, you know, if that's worth going through that whole thought process, but that's, that's usually kind of what happens. But yeah, there have been you know, most recently um, on, on my Superman show, digging for kryptonite. Uh, we did an episode on Godfall, uh, mm-hmm. the storyline that Michael Turner co-wrote and the Aspen crew did the art. And it was a, it was a cool, you know, candor story. Um, but only, only a few of the issues out of the six were on the DC app or I think two out of the six were on the DC app. And, uh, and yeah, the trade was out of print, but I was able to get it at a very reasonable price on eBay. But yeah, like it was annoying. And I still, that was one where I still did the episode on it. But mm-hmm. I think I said in the episode, it's like, you know, if, if you want to get it, it's like, you know, again, reach out to your local comic shop. Like maybe they have a copy, maybe they have the back issues or go to eBay, but it's like, yeah, it is, it is kind of limiting. So yeah, that is a big frustration. Yeah, it happens a lot. These things run out of print really fast a lot of times. So you'll be like, Oh, well, then we get like Fables, for instance, the Vertigo series Fables. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read all these hardcovers. I'm going to get the hardcover versions of it. And you can find like, you know, one, two, fours out of print. You can find five, six, seven, eights out of print. And it's just like, what's going on? And then you, they, they don't reprint them. Same thing happens with Marvel stuff as well, where they fall out of print. And you like, I, and then they blow up. Some of these omnibuses, when they go out of print, they, they've gone for like five, $600. So there's a huge, huge aftermarket on these things when they fall out of print as well. So something like that, does that motivate you? Like, let's say there's some, like an omnibus you're kind of on the fence about. Will mm-hmm. what you just said, will that kind of motivate you to like just bite the bullet and get it? Because you're like, well, if I want it later, I might end up, you know, having to pay a lot to get it. Do you, you kind of go through that? I, I struggle with it sometimes, but I've, I've never had to get like a $500 omnibus. I mean, I try, and it's the thing with the the, the the community I'm a part of is that we try to get these, find these out of print books as much as possible at cover or less than cover. It's, it's amazing if you can get it for less than cover price. But, and that's the kind of mentality I try to stick with is I, I don't want to pay over cover for these things. or And, and I'll, I'll, I'll pay like a little bit over cover sometimes. Like if it's $100, sometimes I'll pay $150 if I have to. But it's one of those things where patience saves pockets and i try to convince myself that sooner or later that it'll get reprinted whether it's a couple of years down the road or, or whatever the case might be and um i'd rather not have to drop that 400 dollars for it and then regret it later and then knowing me and my luck the moment i buy that thing for three four hundred bucks like a week later they will announce a, a reprint of it and i'd be like dang it Oh, of, of course. Well, that's the thing. Like the, those, uh, those Superman, uh, single issues that I just bought on eBay that I was telling you about. It's like, I'm convinced mm-hmm. that before I sit down to record those episodes of digging for kryptonite, those episodes, th- those issues will make their way to the app. It's like, I'm sure <laughs> that was the thing. It's like yeah. when I, and I, you know, I, I went back and forth and I was like, I know that by pressing buy, like I'm all but guaranteeing that they're going to show up on the app now, yeah. but it's like, it's, it's fine. At least this way I know for sure that I have them, but, uh, but yeah, I know I, I get it for sure. Yeah. Here's another thing that's, that's similar to that. So in the, the collective community like this, um, you always want, we always try to get like the best version format that comes out, you know, and it's, it's, it's there's kind of like a, there's kind of like a pecking order. For, for, for these collected editions that we judge things by. So there'll be times where it's like, 
oh, you know, I, I really want to read the series, like a newer series, and it's 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 only out in trade paperback. So sometimes it'd be like, oh, I'll wait for him to maybe collect it in a hardcover. I'll wait for it to be in an omnibus or whatever format that I prefer the most for. So what'll happen is you'll go like, oh, forget it. I'm just gonna get it into trade paperbacks. I want the hardcovers, but I'm just gonna get into trade paperbacks. I really want to read it. And it's been forever and they haven't put it in a hardcover yet. So let me go grab these now. And you grab them and then instantly, bam, it's a hardcover announcement. There's one of the guys on Omni Bros, Jess. We, we have a running joke with them where it's like every time he does that, they announce the omnibus. <laughs> so whenever we're waiting for like an omnibus to come out of something, we'll be like, hey, Jess, can you just go buy all those trade paperbacks? So we know once that happens, it'll get announced. <laughs> yeah. And do you like, do you upgrade a lot like yourself personally? Do you find that? Uh, and, and, or, and I guess, is it upgrading or double dipping? Like, do you keep both versions or will you like sell trades if a hardcover comes out? What do you typically do? I try. I sell the trades. I'll I'll sell that 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 one peck order down version to get the the, the higher cost version. I, I do it all the time. So like um for DC for instance, they did that with the Mister Miracle, Tom King and Mitch Garrett's uh Mister Miracle it was a trade paperback, and then it was like a standard size hardcover. And now they recently just came out with the Lux hardcover, and then they announced that there's going to be an absolute. So I bought everyone on the way up. Um, and I would sell the previous one, except for the standard size hardcover when that came out, because it was only available to comic book stores. Like it was a comic book store exclusive. And uh, Tom King and Mitch Garrett did a signing at Torpedo not too long after that. So I got they, it signed and Mitch Garrett did like a little doodle in it for me. So I, I can't get rid of that. But for the most part, I try to sell that the lesser version to get the money to get the next version up that I wanted. So, and I do it all the time because my preferred format is uh, oversized hardcovers, which is like omnibuses, but smaller or uh, for DC stuff, same, same thing or an absolute, like I love their absolutes. It's like the, the perfect format for these things. So I'll just get it that version when it comes out too. Gotcha. Right on. Yeah. I think the absolutes yeah. are very impressive. Do you have, is there anyone that you're like, this is my, my, I got grail or, or prized absolute one that, <sighs> really stands out mm, let me see i would have to say oh oh easy easy so the best one they've ever done i did a video on it too on my youtube channel is the uh, jack kirby fourth world absolute oh, it's this yeah. massive beautiful it's it's, it's like this, the, the slipcase is white and it looks like the mother box one side uh they drilled like a hole through it so when you pull it out it's this really cool effect but when it's, when it's pushed in one side has the circle and it's jack kirby and on the other side is the, the same circle but it's dark side so it's just this really great elaborate like really nice looking like the design of it and the design of the book itself and it's the absolute so it's jack kirby and like this really huge format um so that's like the best one they've ever done that's my favorite one that is cool and now that you say that i, yeah. I think i remember the video that you did uh, but actually so like on that note when you do one of your reviews or you talk about something on on omnibros um, and, and even just like within the, the Facebook group, the fan community that you're a part of, it's like, what, like, what are the types of things that when a collected edition comes out, like that you're really looking at closely, like what's the kind of stuff that if you do a review, you're like, okay, I better make sure I talk about this. People are like the hardcore fans are going to want to know like the, yeah. the binding, like what, like what other kind of stuff? Yeah. It's, it's, it's. It's really the binding is the thing that everyone's going to be like, that's the question people are going to ask. Like they immediately ask you, how's the binding? How's the binding? How's the binding? That's key. Um, so these reviews, I go through the binding. I go through the gutter loss as well. You know, I, 
I, well, I'll flip through the pages. I'll, I'll, I'll relax the spine first, flip through the pages, and we'll talk about if there's any kind of gutter loss that we notice. Um, uh, there's a lot of things in there. Uh, does it have a table of contents? How's the mapping? Is it mapped in the, in, in the right reading order that us comic book readers want it in? Or what kind of mapping order is it in? Table of contents, is there covers? Like, does each issue... Is each issue in the book uh, divided up by its cover? Sometimes they don't put the covers in there, so it just seems like one big long story with changing art. Uh, you know, numbered pages, uh, special features in the back. You know, is there like a sketchbook? Is there interviews? Is there you know behind the scenes or what else is going on? So it's stuff like that. Yeah, that that all makes sense. Um, actually, with with the mapping, that was something that I wanted to ask you about because um, so I'm not in any Facebook groups, but I I'm trying to think of the the message boards that I've I've lurked on over the years, like MarvelMasterworks.com, like that's one uh, mm-hmm. where they have forums and they you know broken down by DC and Marvel, and um, there was something else too in the past. I don't I don't really really remember now, but um, you know I know the 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 fans on there will you know make their mapping predictions, hopes, suggestions. And I, and I know it can be frustrated when the books that come out don't quite line up. And, you know, in, in some instances, like it, some of the publisher's choices, like, can be kind of baffling, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know. Are there, are there any things that come to mind where you're like, yeah, like, why well, don't get why they, why they put it in this order or why they omitted this? Like, anything that, that kind of comes to mind for you? Yeah. Uh, well, which one was it? Um, it was the oversized hardcover for uh Spider Island from Marvel, where it, was the, it collects the entire event, like all, all the all the main issues, all the satellite ancillary uh, storylines, but they mapped it where they they chunked everything together. So you would read it, and you would read, um, or they put it like in reading order, where in the middle of the issue or the middle of the book, uh, instead of it going to the next issue of Spider Man, it then spun off into um, like. Spider Island, Gwen Stacy, or Spider Island, some other ancillary book. So it, the mapping is really important because you want, we, we want it to be in a familiar format or something that you can follow. And it, sometimes they break it up or they put stories in the wrong order or they just put the mini series where it doesn't belong or it just breaks up the story. So it's 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 a frustrating thing as well. Yeah. The other thing that uh, I'm trying to think of of the, the example that I had in mind. Um, well, a bad mapping or, <laughs> or, well, the kind of, I guess a little bit related. Um, and I don't know how much this even happens now. This might've maybe been more of an isolated incident, but, um, especially when we are talking about crossovers, only including the relevant pages, mm-hmm. uh, from issues, I guess, where do you, cause I think, I think this came up with, with Batman, um, Bruce Wayne, murderer and fugitive. I think it might've been there. I don't know if it was in the newest versions or earlier editions. I, I forget, but something like that, where like an issue of Batgirl, like only had a few pages that dealt with the crossover. So they only included those few pages. Where do you, where do you land on something like that? Give me the whole issue. Give me the whole thing. I mean, sure. It might be just one or two pages that meant that doesn't even involve the storyline and just kind of just mentions it, you know, uh, but just give me, give me the whole thing. I don't want just two or three random pages in the middle of a, of a storyline like that or in the middle of like breaking things up. So just give me the whole issue. I'm going to read the whole thing, you know, and that seems to be the consensus with us. Yeah. You mentioned the Epic, the Epic line that Marvel's been doing, which I think is really cool. So that that's, that's built around uh specific runs. Right. And so like there, I think, they can, you know, I know you know this way better than I do, but is the idea that like for amazing Spider-Man eventually we'll have like the full run of amazing Spider-Man collected in this epic line, but they're not collecting it chronologically. So they'll like do right. Like a run from various periods kind of jumping around. 
Right. That, that's the idea of the epics is that, that they're eventually going to collect everything from one point to a, a certain endpoint. We're not sure what the endpoint is. We thought it was just based on mapping and stuff. We thought it was going to end around before heroes were born. But some of these books got so popular that they started printing stuff after that. And it's been successful, apparently, because we're getting a lot more stuff after. So we don't know when the mapping is going to end or stop with that. But yeah, that's the basic idea. So they, they put them out, but they don't put them in chronological order. Like it's not volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four. It'd be like volume six and then volume nine and then volume seven and eight. And it bounces around. But it's always, it's good because they, they do a really good job putting these things together. So you get... And it's in storyline format for the most part. So you'll get all of Craven's Last Hunt, for instance. So the whole thing of that. And then all the storylines that kind of go around it. And it's it's the idea that they don't just print the uh, the issues of the storyline of just Craven's Last Hunt. It's all the stuff that kind of led up to it. All the stuff that led up, you know, afterwards, epilogues and things like that. Yeah. No, I think that's cool. I dig that a lot. Um, yeah. I, and I, I don't own any of them, but I like the I like the idea of them. Yeah. Uh, are there, are there any, uh, I guess well, we could talk about other current lines, but any defunct lines, like I'm thinking about, you know, the DC archives or their, their black and white showcase books, like, or on the Marvel side, like any, any defunct, uh, lines of, of collected editions that you really missed that you wish had continued. Well, you mean like, uh, like formats or you mean like, I'm... yeah, more so formats, I guess. Hmm. I really enjoyed when um, when I the when they were doing the really smaller trade paperbacks would it be just like two or three issues, or when they just did the uh, um, the epic lines before they did the epic lines. Now, where it was like the epic illustrated stuff, things like that. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, or even a DC. Those DC archives are really great. Those 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 smaller hardcovers that you were talking about. That stuff was great. They, that's how you really got some of the really good like Golden Age stuff back then. And they haven't reprinted it all of it. Like that was like the Shazam stuff. They had a lot of all the great Shazam. Marvel Family was in there. Um, yeah, I really miss those formats. Those were nice. Yeah. Or even the, uh, the I don't know if you remember the Essentials. Yeah, from sure. Marvel. They were like the, the big black and white ones. Yeah, those were really cool. Those were fun because you get a lot of books and it was cheap. And then you know I I always gave them the kids as coloring books too. So those are really useful. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. I, just going back to Spider-Man for a second. And again, I know as a fellow fan of the nineties, do you have the clone saga omnibus? No, I, uh, they got really expensive. I had yeah. them and they got really expensive. So I was like, these things were going for like 300 bucks. I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of them. Cause I have good hopes that it will get reprinted again later down the road. But yeah, I had them. I, I mean, all the nineties stuff. I, I have all that great stuff, man. The death of Superman omnibus. I, you know, the, uh, the breaking of the Batman, the nightfall stuff, all that great stuff. Yeah. Well, cause your Instagram handle, right? Is Gabe loves nineties comics. That's me. Gabe loves nineties comics. It's, uh, I put it right on front street. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, so anything that, you know, we've been talking for about an hour. Is there anything that we, we haven't touched on that, that you would like to talk about as far as collected editions go? Man, no, we, we covered about everything, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. What, like, on uh, for people who aren't familiar with, with Omnibros, like, anything uh, either past or upcoming episodes that you would want to shout out that you're especially proud of that you think people would find interesting? Yeah, so um, we're actually going to have a creator on as an interview tomorrow. So it might be after this podcast is, is, is up, but you can always go back and find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to uh, interview uh, Julia... Uh, Atina, 
who is the writer of Image Comics' uh, Home. Uh, it's a new uh, new series that just came out about uh, a child who immigrated to the United States and was pulled away from his family. So it's very topical. It's very uh, it's, it's it's a beautiful book, and we're going to be able to be discussing it with him tomorrow. So they can look out for that. Uh, we also have interviews with Eric Larson, and we have interviews with uh, Fabian Nicieza and Ron Mars as well. So got a lot of the good guys on there. Yeah, no, very cool. It's a lot of fun. And uh, you guys have built up such an awesome following. So I, I really think that's cool. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I guess my last question, and, and maybe we touched on this, but um, I, I guess wish list for you, either, you know, an individual collection of something or the continuation of a line or the start of a line of, of, uh, of collections, like what's, what's on your wish list? My wish list right now, 100%, uh, since I'm a 90s comics fan, I would want, I really want either an epic collection run or an omnibus or give me something of the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider series. So it's everything I would run from Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider and how I interweaved into uh, Spirits and Vengeance and all those storylines with the Midnight Suns, all of that stuff. None of that stuff is collected right now. So I would love for them to do an epic collection or an omnibus of that. Nice. Oh, and then actually I thought of, of one other thing, you know, through, you know, through Omnibros, through, you know, your past tenure at Torpedo, through your participation in these, in the Facebook group, like, have you, have you ever had an opportunity to speak with any of the collected edition folks at any of the publishers? Has that ever come up? Uh, I've ran into C.B. Sobolski before, uh, who's the editor-in-chief of, uh, of Marvel. And um, I ran into a couple of the guys, uh, editors uh, and collected editions people from like Boom Studios before, so I've 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 been able to talk their ear off about a couple of things. Uh, being at Torpedo, Jim Lee uh, was a constant at the store, um, so I've been able to kind of bend his ear a little bit about collected edition, what I wish they would print. Yeah, I know without you know telling tales out of school or anything like that. I mean, were they like generally speaking, like were they receptive to the stuff you were saying, or like did you get any any sense of that? Always, yeah. always, yeah. They're, they they the collected editions as as popular as it is, it's not quite priority for for these uh, publishers at the moment. Um, so they like to hear feedback and they get ideas from the community of what what they want to be put out. Like one of the guys from Omni Bros, Omar, he uh, he has his own channel called Near Mint Condition. He has a relationship with the uh, senior vice president at, uh, at Marvel Publishing who does all the collected editions. And through that relationship with him and us at Omni Bros, we've, we've thrown out all kinds of ideas of books to put out. Uh, Omar did a great job. He's been the kind of lightning rod for all these reprints that have been coming out. Like we talked before earlier about how these books get so expensive when they go out of print. And thankfully, Omar, like I said, was a lightning rod uh, and was able to get that relationship with Marvel and get all these books reprinted. And it's been fantastic for Marvel. It's been fantastic for the, the community because, you know, a, a book out of print helps nobody. You know, like, Marvel's not getting any money off of it. I can't, I can't give you money for it. So it doesn't benefit anybody. Especially like we talked about before, where it's like volumes one, two, and three are in print, but four is out of print, five is in print. So you got that, that that one book in there that you can't get. So we've had that relationship with them, and they just keep reaching out for more information, more information, more information. So it's it's a good relationship sometimes. That's cool. Uh, no, I'm really yeah. glad to hear that. And I mean, yeah, like like you're saying, I mean, it's it's frustrating when it feels like they're leaving money on the table. I mean, going back to the the Wade Flash trades. 
you know, it drove me nuts because, you know, again, it's only been in the in the past few years. I forget exactly when it started, but I know like the Flash TV show was already underway. And I remember because I remember saying to myself, it's like you've got this hugely popular show on television. It's like, why wouldn't you be pumping out <laughs> like all this stuff, especially a run like that? That's so well regarded. Um, and then thankfully they finally did. But uh, yeah, I know sometimes yep. it, it can be frustrating. And then I guess just jumping back, just as we wrap up here, um, you know, going back to this idea of uh, people, you know, not pre-ordering a, a collected edition and then the solicitation getting canceled. And then I was thinking about this when you were talking about how you would review something, right? And the stuff that people look for. And it's like, I do, I mean, and pre-ordering comics is, you know, a larger conversation, but specifically when you're talking about these collected editions, like I can understand why, uh, especially a hardcore collector might be a little reticent to to pre-order something because there there might be you know issues with the with the book that would prevent you from buying it right like you might want to see Gabe's review of it first because they're not it's not like it's three dollars I mean these things are really expensive so I get why people maybe want to wait and see what what the things actually like yeah it's it happens sometimes yeah you're, you're exactly right that's that's one of the good things about like these YouTube channels and all of us that, that do these reviews. But yeah, a lot of people want to wait because things happen. You know, uh, just recently, uh, speaking of Flash, uh, Marvel or DC, excuse me, has been putting out the uh, Jeff Johns' Flash, which is just phenomenal pinnacle run of, of of Flash. You know, so they've been putting it. They they had omnibuses out years and years ago, but those were like garbage, and the mapping was bad, and they were missing issues, and things weren't done. The gutter loss was the worst on some of those things. So they they finally reprinted them. In better condition and better you know completely redid it instead of it being three on the buses it's two so they fatten them up a little bit and volume two it was advertised to have issue zero in in the book and then when we got it it didn't have issue zero in it so and that's a and sometimes things happen too where they print a page and all the word bubbles are missing or you know a lot, a lot of a lot of weird things happen with these things they they they, they They'll put an entire issue and it'll be missing like one page or the page is duplicate or you know a lot of weird things like that happen but for some of these collectors that's a that's a that's a dead stop like that's a that's a line crosser and they won't buy it so yeah that 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 affects it too where they want to watch my review of it first to see what's going on with the binding and things like that because what happened you buy it and they change the coloring and the coloring is really terrible like with the uh the swamp thing absolutes where they recolored it with modern colors and it's not what you wanted. So it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. listen, it's been fascinating getting to pick your brain about this stuff. I mean, you know, this, to be able to compare notes and, and to speak to, I mean, you're so much, you know, uh, more into this world, immersed in this world of collected editions. I mean, I, I think there was a point, especially when I was working at the comic shop where I was a little bit more up on the, on the trends and I was seeing everything as it was coming out, you know, um, and, and that's not the case anymore. So I feel like I'm a little out of step maybe with what's going on right now. So it was fascinating for me to get to talk to you. No, 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 man. I'm, I'm glad I was on. And I know you asked if there's anything else we didn't talk about. And I said, no. And I just thought of it, but I don't want to, I don't want to take up any more of your time. No, you no, go for it. On. So um, one thing we haven't really talked about, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's definitely related to uh, collected editions, but manga, manga right now is, is going to be the, the future. Because right now I know a lot of comic book stores in town, a lot of comic store, book stores in across the country, even regular bookstores that the manga section is overpowering like the graphic novel superhero selection everything's turning towards manga and manga is just so popular these days with the younger generation or even anybody who likes anime or anything like that uh even myself 
but it's that's becoming the, this next trend. You've been talking about trends, and that's what kind of triggered that that this topic is going to be manga. You get these perfectly sized, you know, they're smaller, you know, trade paperbacks, and they're like ten bucks. I mean, they're black and white, but they're ten bucks, and you get a complete story, and it's all done by the same artist and the same writer, so you don't get these changing storylines and these changing figures and art styles. So that to me feels like that's going to be the future of comic books is manga and collected editions for sure. Very interesting. I mean, yeah. And do you think you would start to see more like manga style, like using the format of manga for like DC and Marvel and other publishers? Like, do you think you would start to see some of that? I think we, I think we will. I think we'll start seeing the kind of uh, smaller size. It's a little bit cheaper. Um, and then black and white. I can even see like, DC and Marvel even kind of stepping away from superheroes down the road and, and doing more kind of manga-esque everyday life kind of stories as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and certainly as far as the format goes, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, like we've been talking so much about uh, the Omnis, the Absolutes, the oversized hardcovers, and it's like, yeah, for the fans, like that's great and it's a beautiful presentation and it looks amazing on a bookshelf. But yeah, it's like they're, you know, they're not cheap and it, and it is a, a big investment of time and space and money mm -hmm. for someone who's maybe just getting into a series. And so, yeah, to have something that's a lot more accessible and digestible, like a manga-sized book and a manga-priced book, like, yeah, I think there, there could be a lot of value in something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're $10 opposed to these omnibuses that cover prices are, you know, $150, $125 books. It's, you know, uh, like you, when when did you first start working at, at a comic shop? Uh, 2000, probably like 2012, I think. I worked at a store called Maximum in Vegas. Right, gotcha. Um, yeah. But obviously you had been, you know, reading and collecting well before that. I mean, it's, it's amazing now to see uh, you know, all of the collected editions and all of the different versions and formats. Cause I mean, I, like, I remember, and I was working at alternate realities, like in the early two thousands when things started to turn and, you know, it, it used to be that it was not a guarantee that something would get collected. And mm -hmm. then, you know, we really saw this turn and like, like all these trades were coming out. And, uh, and then of course the other, you know, formats and editions and everything, but, um, even just the, the regularity with which things, you know, were, were collected. Um, I, I remember seeing that turning point. It was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I don't buy regular new comics anymore. I, I just wait for, it's called trade rating. So and it's a big thing. A lot of people do it. I just trade rate. I wait for the trade to come out or I wait for the hardcover to come out. Um, it's one of those things where it's just you start buying these issues and they start stacking up. It's, it's a space thing as well. But also what happened to me was I started just getting so busy with life. I was still buying stacks of single issues. And by the time I go, oh, I got some time to read, you know, Saga, uh, then the, the trade paperback would be out. And it's like, oh, well, I could have just saved more money and would have could have just bought the, the trade paperback itself. And then I started realizing how much is a, such a better format where – you don't have any ads, you know, you, you get better paper most of the time you get, you know, it's all, it's all collected in one thing. Cause we've all been there where you're like, Oh, I really want to read this run of comics. Let me go, let me go dig into my, you know, temple of doom called my comic book collection of white boxes. And you start digging through your white boxes and you go, Oh, I got issue one, two, three. I where's issue four. I know I had four and now my back hurts moving all these boxes. I don't want to read it anymore. So you just get the trade paperback and you, and you read it that way. 
Yeah. I remember really going through that exact same thought process uh, when I when I ultimately made the switch from singles to trades. And I want to say that was probably like around the time of Infinite Crisis, roughly, where I like okay. really made I really made the switch because I I mean, basically everything that you articulate. And then I remember seeing those trades and hardcovers like coming out, you know, as, and unpacking them, you know, from those diamond boxes. Mm-hmm. And I was just remember like, oh, like, these are great. Like I would rather own the material this way. Um, and then, yeah, I, I ultimately made that switch. And, uh, but then I guess it kind of turned where, you know, I got to the point, I, I feel like one downside with trades, at least for me, was that if you're already waiting six months for a trade to come out, I guess it could go one of two ways. Like you might be, the, the anticipation might be so high, you've waited for so long, now you got it, you're going to read it. But I think for me, what happened was, it was like, well, I've already waited so long. So there wasn't, when I finally got it, when it came out, I didn't feel the sense of urgency that maybe I would have, you know, with the single issues as they were coming out. And then what I found was happening was with certain series that I was reading in trade, like the trades just kept, the trades kept piling up. And then it's not a matter of like, you know, with singles, it's like, okay, maybe you have a year's worth of single issues that you haven't read. But with, you know, with the trades, like it's like years worth of stuff. So you're like, I got the entire run of walking dead here and I haven't read it yet or something. Yeah. I, I, it happens a lot. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. You know, we've touched on a lot and this is fun. And I think that I think a lot of what we said, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of it is is stuff that people will identify with, because as fans and readers and collectors, I know these things come up in, in, you know, various forms. So I hope that people uh, enjoy this chat. I certainly did. Oh, yeah, it was great being on. man. I appreciate it. It's good to see see from you again. It's been so long, bro. I know. I know. It is kind of crazy. And, and like I said, I mean, we've exchanged messages, but uh, we've not actually, and now, you know, obviously we're doing this remotely, but I mean, we haven't seen or, or spoken to each other. So, uh, so yeah, it's cool, but I'm glad we we're able to catch up. I'm glad things are going well. And uh, I'm sure we'll do some more podcasting uh, down the line. I'd love to have you back in the future. Oh man, that'd be great. Yeah, please do anytime. Right on. Uh, so thank you, Gabe. And I hope that uh, everyone will check out uh, Omni Bros Live, check out uh, Gabe on Instagram. Gabe loves 90s comics. That's me, Gabe Loves 90s Comics. Cool. Uh, So thank you to everyone who watched or listened. Uh, We'll be back with an all-new episode in two weeks. And until then, remember, they're all imaginary stories. My Comic Shop Book Club is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Kristen San Gregorio, music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to check out my other podcasts, Digging for Kryptonite and My Comic Shop History. Sign up for exclusive content, including the official Book Club companion podcast, at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato and watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon.